Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Anne Garvin, author of the new novel, I Thought You Said This Would Work. Anne, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't heard about your new novel yet, how would you describe I Thought You Said This Would Work? I I always say that my novels are funny and sad, and there's such a funny mix of funny and sad that they're sometimes a little bit hard to describe. Whenever anyone says, you know, um, when they introduce me, they'll say, Ann Garvin is hilarious. And I think, oh, no, no, don't say it's hilarious. It's more like when you're reading it, you'll you'll chuckle a little bit and then maybe you'll sniff a little bit. But hilarity and sobbing is not really what will happen when you read one of my novels. <laughs> so, you know, it's a story. It's a road trip story about three women that um, two women that don't really like each other very much and had a falling out from years ago when they were the best of friends. And they didn't pursue sorting that out because the memories were too painful for them. But their best friend has asked them to go across country and rescue her own rescue dog so that she can go through a second bout of um, cancer treatments. And um, so she she sort of forces those two to go across country and drive across country road trip um, with a big slobbery hairy dog and a whole lot of problems to sort out. And that's it's it's a road trip for all road trips, I think, you know, when road trips can be incredibly annoying, but also a lot of fun. That's what this is. That's great. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write? I thought you said this would work. (laughs) I do. I do. I was out to eat with two friends that were really just my friends. I kind of like to cross pollinate my friends probably in the most annoying way for everyone. But we were at dinner, two of my friends that know each other, but only really are good spend any time together because of me. And we were talking about something and they're two very strong minded women. And I thought, it would be sort of hilarious to shove those two in a Prius with, Prius with a dog and make them go do something together. And in that <laughs> second, I thought, oh, that would be a great book. That's great. <laughs> so what was your writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published? Um, you know, it, I don't think it was all that much um, different from a lot of people. You know, you have to learn the business. You have to learn how to write a novel. But what was a little bit different for me is that Um, So I was a nurse first, and then I uh, got a graduate degree in exercise physiology and then sports psychology. And so I was a professor of science for almost 30 years. And um, but 10 years before leaving that, I, I won a short story contest. And it, and I'd always been a reader, and I'd always admired writers to be sort of my superheroes. And um, I thought I would you know, I, I always say that this was like the most arrogant use of a one win at a contest. Because <laughs> after I did that, I entered a couple more contests. And I thought I'm going to write a book and you know, writing 2000 words and doing that well enough to win a small contest and then writing, you know, $90,000 or words for a, an entire book are two different things. So my journey was I always think it was like insecurity and arrogance living together in one house and trying to write a book. So 
What was your writing process when you were working in, on I Thought You Said This Would Work? Do you plot your novels extensively or did you just go with this idea of the two women in a Prius with a big dog and kind of go from there? Yeah, I, that's a super good question. And I think it goes along with this idea of a writing journey. The first book I wrote, I just had some ideas and then some natural ideas about, because I was a reader, how to write a book. And um, so at first, I just sort of wrote and hoped that my ability to just kind of generally tell a story might carry me through. And that's a very inefficient way to write a book. (laughs) And so I have since then learned that it works much better for me to write. um, Like I I start with an idea um, and then I write the back copy of the book, like the the literal sort of, we call that a nut graph, or at least I do. I know journalists call that sort of descriptive piece of the book. I do that first. And then I look at a general structure of what makes a book work. Like I, I look at, you know, the inciting incident and then um, pinch points and midpoint reversals. And I plot out what I think is going to happen in my book Um, based on just traditional storytelling arcs, like just like almost like you put them on a, you know, a push pin into a bulletin board, just so I have some kind of marking. And then I, after I have that, I really do a deep dive into the characterization of who they are, what they want, and what they need to do to learn from the story. And with those bits and pieces, already in my mind, I then start to write the book. So I'm not, I'm certainly not a pantser anymore. Um, I'm much more of somebody who is a plotter. But when I say plotting, um, all I do is kind of put up tent poles, and then I plot based entirely on my character and who they are and what they want. Gotcha. Yeah. So what are the tall poppy writers that you created? Well, so the tall poppy writers, so back in 2010, when my first book came out, um, I w- had pneumonia and my, I was going right smack in the middle of a divorce and this book was coming out and it was in 2010 before the, um, social media had gotten into this feverish state that it is now. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any connections in publishing. I didn't know any other authors and I lived in a pretty small town and I worked in a field that was not anything related to literature. So I thought, oh my gosh, who's going to buy this book? And in fact, very few people did buy that book, <laughs> even <laughs> though it was published by Penguin, you know, they didn't pay very much for it. So there wasn't a large marketing budget for it. Um, and then I thought, you know, I'm at this, at this is, I'm not going to be able to have a career in this. And by then I'd already been bitten and it was thoroughly smitten by the idea of becoming an author. So I I thought, well, this is crazy. This is probably what happens to all women authors who have other jobs and children and things like that. Like we aren't going to be marketing heroes in this regards. What we can do is maybe write a story, but that doesn't always translate. And I thought, this is crazy. So I, I thought, why don't we do what bands do, which is kind of help each other, you know, with an opening band. And I also thought, remember that commercial? I don't know how old you are, but remember that commercial? I'll tell two friends and you tell two friends and so yes. on, <laughs> right? So I thought, well, this is, why don't we do that? Why Why aren't authors doing that? And 
You know, for a long time, I think that people really thought of writing as a scarcity ideal, like everybody is competing for the number one New York Times bestseller. But in in actuality, you know, that you know, number one could change every day, it could change every hour, it could change all kinds of ways, and that we aren't just competing for one pinnacle piece of things. We're just looking for readers to read our things, and we hope that our stories resonate. So I thought with that in mind, I was going to... You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. You know, as I went through this journey, I was going to meet all the generous authors and bring them all into a group of um, where we all help each other. And that's where that's what the tall poppies is. It's just a really group, really nice group of women who are supportive. And while they are writing a book and one of us is launching a book, we all sort of get together and market each other's work so that it isn't all on one person. That's great. So given your novels that you've written and had published to date, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? You know, um, I, it changes, right? It changes. My, every time someone asks me these questions, I think, oh, this is a better answer here. And this is a better answer here. <laughs> but I think probably the best thing that I would tell people, and, um, and I'm not sure if it's the best advice, but I do think that you have to learn the business of writing. Because while you are working in an art, um, which is creating a book and hoping that you know, it works in the best, most compelling way. You can write the best work in the world and not know how to publish that, or it doesn't at all fit in a way that can be published. So I think you have, I'm not saying that you should write to the market. What I'm saying is you have to understand that book writing is a business. And while you're writing that book, you have to kind of keep an eye out on what's going on because so, for example, I have um, a couple of friends who wrote, they chased the market and wrote a couple of books that fit in the market, and then the whole world changed. And so I think you have to keep your eyes on the art while you keep your eyes on the business, um, because they both can be 
they can both be kind of difficult to deal with. And I think you really have to learn the business while you're writing the business of writing a book. It doesn't sound that articulate, but I think you know no, what, yeah. what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, you you said that that you were a big reader for years and that writers were your superheroes. Were there specific authors that you kept going back to during that time before you wrote that that really appealed to you? Yes, I um you know early on I started with not early on I would guess in my early adulthood when I started reading things that were larger than you know, the small books that we read when we're growing up. I wrote, a, I read a lot of Laurie Moore. And um, Laurie Moore, to me, is really ma- the master of sort of um, funny and sad. I'm not sure she would describe herself that way. But she's got such a wonderful sense of humor. And also, and it's wry and stinging in some places. But whenever I read her work, I thought, wow, she really would hit right on the head of something that made me feel both, you know, sort of laughing and also a little bit tearful. And then I read, and then of course, Nora Ephraim, who who has written such a wealth of information or such a wealth of writing that is based in both humor and um, sadness, especially when you think about the, the stories that she's written about divorce and things like that. And then she moved into writing these fantastic rom-coms that will never sort of leave our memories. Like, you know, when Harry met Sally and sleepless in Seattle and things like that. I read a lot of Elizabeth bird because Elizabeth bird also is that person that does um, funny and sad. I think sometimes she has been relegated to what they call women's fiction, um, which is a shame because she's a wonderful writer with such astute insights. And then, um, I would say probably Olive Kitteridge, Elizabeth Strout. Um, she's kind of a genius in my mind. And so I, I go back often to their writing. Um, and one of the things that I write, you know, whenever I, I work on a novel, I've tried really hard to write just funny and I've tried really hard to write just sad. And I can't really do that. And there aren't <laughs> a lot of authors that write this sort of mix of funny and sad. So you really have to find your inspiration in people that do it really well so that you can sort of keep feeling like you're doing an okay thing. And those are the authors that really made me feel like I was doing an okay thing. Sure. So what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Mm. Um, I just, so it's funny because I have the two that are like on a huge sort of spectrum from, from each other. One of them is called Finley Donovan is killing it. And that is the most delightful, funny and ridiculous story about a woman who is in, um, a Panera and they're just talking about. I don't know, ridiculous things about being a mother, but it sounds like they are going to be serial killers and someone misunderstands what they're talking about and wants her to kill her husband. And she (laughs) accidentally embarks on this ridiculous thing where she is finding herself working against the mob, et cetera. And it sounds like it's just the run of the mill silliness, but it's not. It's so well done and so well plotted and really got a ton of attention and I think it's now going to be, it was just recently purchased for a series. 
um, not a not also a book series, but also a television series. Right. Um, and then um, on the complete other spectrum, I just read uh, The Women in the Castle by Jessica Shatuck. And I'm not sure when that book was published, but it's a deep, um, it's a deep story about sort of the spoils of just post-Nazi Germany when um, through the eyes of three different women who had three different experiences. And I loved it because it pulled no punches and, and it made it very clear that a lot was going on during that time that people didn't always understand what was going on and they ended up in places that they did not believe in morally. And that was a pretty wonderful book. So you could see I kind of read all over the place. Sure, um, sure. Yeah. And those two, I just finished both of those books this past week. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? I'm at uh, angarvin.net. Um, so that's my website. And from my website, you can find me anywhere. I, uh, I'm i on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere. And you can find also the Tall Poppy Writers at tallpoppies.org. I, um, I also have a podcast called Come Sit By Me, where I answer all of the questions that I've gotten over the last 30 years um, related to both writing and health. And those two things are often mixed together because writers and readers spend a lot of time sitting. And uh, it's just five minutes of um, answering questions. I always say it's for people who have questions and know there isn't one right answer, but want one anyway. And um, <laughs> that, uh, that can be found on my website as well. That's great. Yeah. Well, again, we've been speaking with Anne Garvin, author of the new novel, I Thought You Said This Would Work. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Anne, thanks for doing this interview. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really, I saw all of the authors that you have, and I'm just honored to be included. Thank you. Um, Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.